When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Thalman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, one of the great things about playing with natural botanical materials in our aquariums is that for many years, there's been no specific set of rules about how to do stuff. Nature enforces her own rules. The processes by which nutrients are utilized, the growth of beneficial bacteria and fungi, the nitrogen cycle, food webs, etc., etc. These are all constructs that we can't circumvent. Aquarium hobbyists have, by and large, collectively spent the better part of the century trying to create workarounds or hacks to work on ways to circumvent what we perceive as unattractive, uninteresting, or detrimental. And I have a theory that many of these things, these processes that we we try to edit, polish, or skip altogether, are often the most important and foundational aspects of a tentacle-style aquarium keeping. Yeah. It's why we literally pounded into your head over and over here that you should not only, you know, shouldn't try to circumvent these processes and occurrences, you should embrace them and attempt to understand exactly what they are, what they mean for the fishes that we keep, and why they are the way they are. They're a key part of the functionality. Now, I've had a sort of approach to creating and managing botanical-style aquariums that is drawn from a lifetime of experience in my other you know, aquarium hobby disciplines like reef keeping, breeding killifishes, and other more conventional hobby areas of interest. And my approach has always been a bit, you know, of an extension of the stuff I've learned in those areas. I've always been fanatical about not taking shortcuts in the hobby. You know this because if you've read my writings or follow our podcast here, you know that's something I, I, I hate. <laughs> and in fact, I've probably avoided shortcuts to the point of making things more difficult for myself over time. Over the years, I've thought a lot about how we, as botanical-style aquarium enthusiasts, gradually build up our systems and how our entire approach is about creating a biome, a little closed ecosystem, which requires us to support the organisms which comprise it at every level, just like what nature does. My current little projects are just the latest iterations of my desire to create, or excuse me, recreate, many of the processes by which nature uses uh, uh, in her own environment like we do in our in our aquariums. Boy, I didn't really word that well, did I? I should have said this. <laughs> Basically, what I'm trying to say is that we try to recreate as many aspects, the functional aspects of nature as possible. And lately, I've been doing that by simply letting nature sort of do her own thing. Um, we're doing some pretty extensive renovations in our new home. And that means that it's going to be a few months before I can fully move my stuff in, necessitating that just about everything is in storage until the work is complete. And that includes, of course, my home aquariums. And that's kind of depressing if you're an aquarium person because you want your tanks. I just have a few of my nano-sized tanks here, not the larger aquariums. So what better use of my downtime when I'm at home while waiting to set up the larger tanks than to try some new and crazy unorthodox stuff with these little tanks? So what exactly am I working on? Well, obviously, I have a few versions of my Urban Agapo tanks in play, experimenting with wet and dry season modes in an Agapo display and a Varzea display two distinctly different environments. They're doing quite well and they're living up to their promise in every conceivable way. 
I've been fortunate enough to keep and spawn the interesting South American annual killifish, uh, Nothalibius minimus, the, ver- the, the local variant called Campo Grande, for two seasons now. And I've had the adults spawn in the tank about five months before slowly drying it out. Obviously, I removed the adults before doing this, so I don't want to hear the hate mail that, oh, you're drying your killifish out. No, no, no. Come on. <laughs> this is my 12th, count them 12, 12th seasonal cycle with this same aquarium. And the only real edits I've made over these years were simply removing some bamboo seedlings that I had in there. And I don't know why I had them. I think my wife had some cuttings or something and I wanted to play with them, but it didn't look right. But other than that, I just left uh, the plants that were there, which is the marginal plant called Acarus, which many of you have played with before. That's the only plant in that aquarium, a terrestrial marginal plant, but it can survive submerging quite well. These plants are now over three years old and they do beautifully transitioning between wet and dry phases. And when the killifish eggs hatch out, it's always a real treat. In fact, that just happened just a couple days back. I know uh, I, on my blog, I posted a really pretty bad iPhone shot, but it's always exciting to see that. Now, this urban agapo thing, um, I believe that this urban agapo, which is a fun name, approach that I, dare I say, we sort of created or at least quantified, and have been playing with for about two years now, is a truly unique and utterly practical approach to creating a truly functional aquatic ecosystem. The idea of creating a terrestrial environment filled with sediment and soil, botanical materials and immersion tolerant plants and grasses, and then slowly flooding it over time to recreate the flooded forest floors of South America, for example, is not only simple to do, it literally forces us as hobbyists to make mental shifts towards patience, observation, and accepting an entirely new set of aesthetics. It's certainly not for everyone. However, the idea of executing an aquarium by creating the entire environment, terrestrial and aquatic, is just too irresistible not to try at least once in your botanical-style aquarium career. So you really need to. With the release of the nature-based Agapo and Varzea substrates now only weeks away, I know I've said this before, but I promise (laughs) um, we're in the final stretch, it'll be easier than ever to flood your own forest. And more fun. I actually think this will that I will ultimately probably start all of my aquariums via this format. I really think there's something very interesting with this approach, and I believe it's going to continue to yield very interesting results as the years go by. Okay, commercial teases aside, I've been given a lot of thought to the way I start my aquariums. The downtime I have at home with these small tanks has given me the opportunity to try stuff that I wouldn't normally do in larger aquariums. This is a really great thing to me because I even have to get out of my own comfort zone now and again. Now, starting at, you know, staring at these natural aquatic habitats, I like to watch videos, study, read pictures, talk to my friends who've been there, visit them myself when I can, etc. And trying to understand how they formed, why they formed, and what factors influence their ecology keep me constantly inspired. Studying the Agapo of South America has given me real inspiration and ideas to try in order to create more unique, highly functional aquarium systems. Here's the other idea I've been playing with, though, at the moment. Uh, not just actually at the moment, but for some time now. Sort of in-situ curing of wooden botanicals. Something that indeed goes against our typical practice and certainly is different than my more conventional approach of you know, boiling leaves in pods and curing wood in a separate container of water. Rather, it's just rinse and drop, hardly precise, and rather at odds with even our own conventions and practices that we've touted here. Yet, playing with this approach has given me some of my favorite tanks ever. For example the Tucanicthus Tucano habitat that I did, which is really a tank I just have just loved and judging by the amount of feedback and you know good comments we've gotten, you do too. But you know, it takes time and a willingness to wait and observe and open yourself up to a bit of a mess at the beginning, at least in the conventional aquarium sense. 
to me, it seems like by doing this, you're actually letting nature do her thing. It's not revolutionary. However, it is evolutionary for me in that it more completely embraces my philosophy of building up a microcosm from scratch in the aquarium. The approach might be the ultimate expression of that. Think about this. Ask yourself this. Why do we cure wood outside of our display aquariums? Well, typically, if you ask most aquarists, it's because we don't want the silt, the sediment, the biofilms, the fungal growth, all that stuff which inevitably appears on wood when we submerge it for the first time. We don't want that stuff in our tanks. We want leaves and botanicals to sink right to the bottom. Also, not everyone is fond of the tannins released during this process too, which we've laughed about many times here, but I get it. And the other materials, which we, present company, you know, included, have historically referred to as organic pollutants are seen as undesirable, you know, lignans, bound up dirt, all that kind of stuff. So why? Well, when you really think about it, all these materials and compounds are kind of food to certain organisms, aren't they? And when we remove this stuff, we're essentially depriving someone along the food chain their sustenance, right? Yeah, the growth and prol proliferation of... <laughs> why, do I always why do I always tumble over that word? The growth and proliferation... I have no idea why I have problems with that. But the, <laughs> the growth and pro proliferation, there you go again, of organisms of all types will contribute not only to the biological stability of the system over the long haul, I believe that it will form the basis of a literal food web in the aquarium. Allowing this to happen despite our human impatience or even our initial aversion to the looks of the process enables us to truly embrace the function of nature. In nature, terrestrial materials covered by water are the basis for almost every aquatic ecosystem. The processes of decomposition and colonization and ultimately utilization of these materials by an enormous variety of organisms is truly what powers these ecosystems. It works exactly the same in the aquarium if we let nature do her work without excessive intervention. I'm really having trouble grasping exactly what the problem is with this approach, other than the obscene amount of patience we have to deploy as hobbyists waiting for our tanks to settle in and be just right for fishes. Is it the look? Is it because we've always been told not to start aquariums this way? Maybe. I mean, the aquariums that we play with in our own world are not exactly conventional, right? So what should, you know, why should the way that we establish them be? Sure, you might want to monitor ammonia and nitride during the early phases, but since you're not in any real hurry, this might be more for informational purposes rather than an indicator of when to start adding fishes. Here's a little secret. I've seen the fastest, least scary cycling times occur in tanks when I've utilized this approach. I mean, you could add fishes as soon as your ammonia and nitrate are undetectable, and usually that's like a week or less in my experience, believe it or not. You might not see your fishes very often in those early days in that morass of murky water biofilms and stuff. However, it's interesting. And of course, this process does take time. There's no escaping that. Like on the order of three to four weeks before you'd likely want to add fishes before you can see into the tank and it's not a pile of goo. And I get it. Many hobbyists would rather get to their displays and get them up and running quickly and populated with fishes right away. A tank full of biofilms, fungal growth, and stuff from wood and sand uh, is not going to, you know, exactly get you there quickly. Ah, but that's the interesting part to me. Sort of doing your scape dry and filling them up with conditioned water and allowing the biofilm growth and dirt and all that good stuff to sort of brew creates a veritable soup of biological possibilities. Of course, you can't add fishes anytime soon, right? However, what you might end up with in this little chaotic, murky, and rather disorderly looking display is the beginnings of a microcosm which will sort itself out as time goes by. About the only thing you need to do is maybe exchange some water after a week or two and then get on a regular small water exchange schedule like you would with any aquarium. Now, it's not totally seat of the pants. I do assist things a bit. 
I had bacteria in the form of purple non-sulfur bacteria via our product Culture, which we've talked about a lot. As these highly adaptable bacteria not only work with the nutrients and compounds present in the aquarium via the materials that release them, they'll help kickstart the nitrogen cycle as well. This is exactly what we envision this product to do, to complement the botanical-style aquarium approach and facilitate the development of a rich microbiome within the aquarium by utilizing ultra-natural processes. The reality of this approach to creating a botanical-style aquarium is that it's allowing nature to do what she does best, efficiently using what's available to her to assemble and maintain an ecosystem. There is, in my mind, something beautiful about this. These are exercises and functionality, doing things in a fundamentally different way in order to create a more robust, diverse, and rich ecosystem within the aquarium. Is it the perfect way? Absolutely not. Is it the best way going forward? No, not necessarily. It's just a way. But I think I'll continue to work on some of these approaches more, perhaps refining the processes into more definable steps so that others can, you know, try to replicate, validate, or improve upon my techniques with this stuff. Remember, it's okay to make a mess sometimes. Something amazing and beautiful just might come of it. Stay bold. Stay open-minded. Stay experimental. Stay observant. Stay enthralled. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.